Hello everybody uh, and Kiora. In today's session, we will present best practice guidance for the design, delivery and testing of internal um, aesthetic features for improved tunnel safety and customer experience. Welcome everyone and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a Senior Communications Officer at Ostroads and I will be moderating today's session together with Laura Proctor, um, Team Leader, Traffic Engineering at SMEC. Laura will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. I'd like to start by acknowledging the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. I also acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. Ostroads is based in Sydney and um, today I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging and their deep and ongoing connection to the land. A little bit about Ostroads, uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies and our focus is to support our member organisations to deliver an improved road transport network. Um, the project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Programme, which is managed by Ross Garpi. A bit of housekeeping, our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The slides and the report can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon on your sidebar. If your question relates to any particular slide, uh, include the number of that slide in your message to help us answer your question as best as we can. Also, let us know if you are having any technical problems, but a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. Closing your browser and rejoining the session uh, by your registration link usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when uh, the recording is published on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can also find Ostroads in your podcast app. Um, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today, um, Warwick Keating and John Birch. Warwick Keating is an associate planner uh, who has worked on a range of high-profile um, community-defining projects across Australia. Warwick has led and contributed to projects spanning strategic planning, development, uh, delivery and operations. John Birch is a human factors uh, specialist with project experience in the rail, roads, banking and health sectors. The project um, he has worked on have involved technical um, human factors studies and organizational analysis. Welcome to our presenters and um, over to you, Warwick. Thank you, Katharina. My name is Warwick Keating and I'm an Associate Transport Planner at SMEC. Um, I was the project manager as part of this engagement for SMEC and we were supported by Tactics who provided human factors advisory support. We were also uh, led by Tony Mazio, who is the, uh, the operations manager at Eastlink in Victoria. And helping deliver this project was a uh, project working group um, made up of representatives from academia, um, state government transport agencies, tunnel operators and asset owners from the east coast of Australia uh, and also New Zealand. The role of the project working group was to uh, represent the different views of stakeholders which would use or benefit from an updated guide to road tunnels. Uh, also to consider the suitability of information which was to be analysed on the project and also to advise on projects, academic research, applications relating to internal aesthetics uh, to be considered as part of the project. In Australia and New Zealand, there has been limited practical applications of technologies and innovations in tunnel aesthetics. Therefore, the objective of this project was to define a best practice process through which internal aesthetics 
uh, features are designed, delivered and tested. This would ultimately lead to an updated guide, update to the Austroads Guide to Road Tunnels, outlining a best practice methodology. Without up-to-date information, there was a significant risk that the Austroads Guides would lose practicality and relevance. So what we had to recognise at the start of the project was the rationale for which it was being undertaken. Tunnels are a familiar and at times integral feature of a road network. However, they can have adverse impacts on driver behaviour and impact traffic flow. Stress-inducing tunnel designs can produce hypervigilant and distracted drivers and produce anxieties. And, and those anxieties can impair their judgement and may influence their route choice away from the tunnel. On the contrary, long, consistent tunnel design can be monotonous and lead drivers to distraction. Tunnel aesthetics can be used to induce calmer and less preoccupied drivers that are more receptive to perceive and focus on relevant information uh, around them. It is important for industry and practitioners to have a solid understanding uh, of tunnel aesthetics their influence on infrastructure performance and the transport challenges affecting them. The scope of this study uh, considered local projects, local tunnel projects that have been recently delivered in Australia and New Zealand, as well as tunnel projects which are currently in the design and construction phase. Uh, we also considered, uh, examined complementary Austroid studies, such as the assessment of perceptual countermeasure treatments to reduce uh, crash risk in tunnels, and also academic and industry publications were reviewed to establish the intent, type, purpose and benefits of tunnel aesthetic features. Coupled with this was also the consideration of current practices relating to assessing driver behaviour in tunnels. What we wanted to do was capture how the adaptation and evolution in road transport network operations and planning practices which are occurring locally and internationally, which had a focus on user experience, road safety and traffic performance. Firstly, we needed to establish uh, what aesthetics are and define them. The, the aesthetic features that our team considered were wall coatings, lighting, signage and information displays, location validation and portal design. For lighting, road lighting and emergency lighting was not considered as they do not provide an aesthetic purpose. For lighting, here are some examples of lighting in wall panelling and on the arch of the tunnel. Uh, on the left, you can see a render of the Northeast Link Tunnel uh, in Melbourne, which is currently in the design and construction phase, illustrating drivers of a grade change. Um, grade change Lighting can be used to illustrate grade change, keeping them alert and also informing them of a ceiling uh, of the tunnel, which can provide assurance of the scale of the asset and provide increased levels of visibility, which is evident on the right in the North Connects Tunnel in Sydney. Pacemaker lighting is lighting which consists of LEDs uh, in the walls of a tunnel, which are programmed to move at assigned speed limit to help regulate traffic flow more effectively. Other potential benefits include uh, the reduction in vehicle emissions due to reducing the need for sudden acceleration in the tunnel. There are only three examples globally of pacemaker lighting in road tunnels and they're all unique to one another. One example is in Tokyo, Japan, the Gaikan Expressway Tunnel, which has small blue lights embedded above the barriers just above barrier height, which you can see on the left. The Eurasia Tunnel, which crosses underneath the Bosphorus Strait in Istanbul, Turkey, which has white light arches uh, projected onto the ceiling via LED tubes mounted in cable trays. And lastly, the recently refurbished Burnley Tunnel in Melbourne, which has solid rectangular green bands illuminating on the walls and the ceiling. Wayfinding can be used to break up the monotony of a tunnel by bringing colour, um, in particular green. This can occur through the inclusion of the colour as well as the universal running person symbol identifying exit points as illustrated in the Lane Cove example. 
Variable message signs can also be used as an aesthetic as they can be programmed to provide different messages other than driving instructions within a tunnel, much like what can occur on the open road network. The incorporation of location validation information into a tunnel can help alter the aesthetic feel and inform drivers and provide reassurance to drivers. And this is as per what is uh, illustrated in the M8 tunnel at Bexley in Sydney with writing on the wall panelling associated with lighting. Tunnel portals are locations in tunnels where designs introduce a change in the driving environment as a way of connecting the driver to the above ground environment and also to mitigate the feel of a driver entering a black hole. In addition to this, other potential aesthetic treatments could include graphic design and signage, delineation and safety attributes, multi-sensory stimuli, whether that be olfactory or audible stimuli, wall coatings or painting of barriers. Our team undertook a literature and project review which focused on identifying and evaluating and synthesizing the purpose, design, use and testing of internal aesthetics. It highlighted design features, testing practices, road safety and human factors impacts, as well as operational and maintenance considerations. The literature and project review elaborated on how these attributes have evolved locally in Australia and internationally, as well as what is considered good and poor practice. As part of this process, we reviewed local and international literature, standards and industry guidelines, as well as engaging with asset operators and industry representatives. We were able to identify different strengths associated with asset, fee asset aesthetic features in tunnels. Uh, it was found that theming the aesthetics was a strength, uh, particularly when they're aligned to a broader urban design uh, principles or projects or like on projects or locations uh, adjacent to tunnels. Examples of theming are evident in the recent tunnel project in Sydney, uh, such as North Connects, uh, where there is the coloured forest, which is uh, lighting, um, blue and white, uh, lighting and the use of uh, wall panelling in blue and white, inspired by the nearby Kuringai Chase National Park, as well as the incorporation of shapes on the wall panelling, reflecting the iconic Sydney sandstone. Similarly, in Victoria, the North East Lent project will have transition lighting and panels which reflect the importance of the cosmology to the local Wurundjeri culture, as well as incorporating colours of local landscapes. Additionally, the Westgate Tunnel Project in Melbourne will also um, include theming in the form of portal design, um, which is inspired by fish netting and traps used by local traditional owners uh, when using the Yarra River to which the Westgate Tunnel passes underneath. The connection of digital or electronic aesthetic features uh, to intelligent transport systems, um, hardware and software is advantageous, particularly for control by an operations centre. Whilst, whilst not all aesthetic features are digital, connection to digital systems where possible is beneficial. As previously mentioned, in-tunnel aesthetics can be used to induce calmer and less preoccupied drivers. This is through the consideration of human factors. However, for aesthetic features to improve traffic flow and driver behaviour, human factors considerations must be thorough, which John will touch upon shortly. Lighting, ceiling and sidewall markings can also provide changes to the visual environment within a tunnel and that can influence driver performance. This was confirmed in the Kirscher and Alstrom study, as well as the Chen et al study, into the influence of decorated sidewalls on driver behaviour, which led to positive results in visual stimulation and improvements to spatial awareness, leading to enhanced driver performance outcomes. The key challenges we identified were associated with maintenance. Maintenance in tunnels can be preventative, corrective or via major refurbishments or replacements. 
Access to tunnels for maintenance activities can be challenging as they are live tra traffic environments and shutdowns being irregular. Therefore, designers of aesthetic features must consider any maintenance activities which are required, and if possible, they should be minimised through the design process. Through our discussions with tunnel operators, it was identified that important knowledge can be lost if planners, designers, uh, consultants and contractors who design and install attributes within a tunnel do not pass information on to maintenance staff. This legacy information can be valuable over the time of the lifespan of the attributes. Our team also identified gaps in the literature and project examples. Additional research on the different types of aesthetic features such as olfactory and audible stimuli, vegetated green walls, lighting projections, road markings would all be beneficial to ensure all possible aesthetic treatments are considered appropriately and we hope that that happens in future by different people. Lastly, there is little guidance on, there was little guidance on how to test and measure the benefits and impacts of aesthetic features. As it is early days in their application, coupled with private operation of tunnels, information was hard to come by. Now I'll pass over to John who will discuss human factors and weaknesses. Thanks, Warwick. Uh, so when we were conducting the, the literature review, we evaluated uh, risks from two main perspectives. And um, firstly, we looked at risk from a physiological perspective. And so this was, for example, uh, how tunnel lighting would uh, have an impact on perception, how uh, particular colours might impact physiological reactions from drivers. And uh, the physiological side of things is something I'll expand on um, when I discuss findings. Um, but we also explored risks from a psychological perspective. And in particular, we looked at um, increasing cognitive load for drivers and the role of attention. And cognitive load here is quite important as uh, you know, the project focused on the inclusion of internal aesthetic design features, which inherently uh, meant that you know, we'll be adding stimuli to the driving environment. So <clears throat> from the literature, um, increased or decreased cognitive load can be conceptualized as two types of task-related fatigue uh, that may be experienced in the context of driving. So there's active fatigue, which is fatigue due to cognitive overload. And this may be due to a variety of factors. Um, so things like high volumes of traffic, uh, increased road curvature, which makes the driving task physically more demanding, uh, or a highly stressful environment. So for example, things like time pressures or passengers talking in the car, which, which may lead to distraction. Um, there's also passive fatigue, which is fatigue that's due to cognitive underload or monotony in the driving environment. So for example, uh, think you know long straight country roads um, or tunnels or, or long tunnels with minimal curvature. And it's important to note that both forms of, of fatigue, so active and passive, lead to increased driver error, decreased driver performance and incre increase the risk of uh, road incidents. So intertwined with the concept of cognitive load is the role of attention when driving. Um, you know, we know as humans, we have limited cognitive resources available to attend to stimuli in the environment. And when driving, we need to make sure that our attention is focused uh, primarily on, on the driving task. Uh, and the negative safety implications of drivers performing non-driving related behaviours. So for example, you know, changing um, the radio station um, or fiddling with things uh, um, on the intracar displays on newer cars are very well documented. So it's really important to find a balance when considering internal aesthetic features for improving um, driver, driver uh, performance without significantly increasing driver distraction. And from a human factors perspective, uh, this can be achieved through user testing and engagement with end users. So for example, uh, the obvious user group um, here would be motorists. And when considering motorists um, in, in the testing phase, there are a number of other factors to consider, such as levels of experience. Um, so it's, it's very useful to test with drivers who may be more inexperienced, so learner drivers, uh, all the way through to older um, road users who are more likely to have uh, less visual acuity. 
another user group could be public transport operators and truck drivers. And here we might be looking at uh, more uh, physiological considerations. Uh, so for things like different sight lines as um, uh, drivers of trucks and buses are probably more likely to be seated higher than car drivers. Um, they may also have different objectives while driving. So for example, uh, maintaining their place in a bus lane. So yeah, to summarise this slide, um, overstimulation and distraction uh, are obviously not ideal for drivers um, because of the impact of um, increasing cognitive load. So there's certainly an argument that adding non-essential elements into the driving environment may be unnecessary, um, which is valid, but when there is intent, uh, design, process, um, thorough testing and communication to all stakeholders, um, this can ensure that the additional aesthetic features uh, in tunnels add value to the driving experience uh, through improved safety and performance outcomes. Uh, next slide, please, Warwick. So the aim of in-tunnel aesthetic features is to enhance the user's driving experience by reducing monotony, enhancing wayfinding, and improving perceived and actual safety. Um, the focus is also on alleviating pinch points or problem locations and improving traffic um, throughput. So designers, asset owners and operators need to be cautious of cognitive load when considering the application of internal aesthetic features and that any, um, any additional aesthetic features included convey only convey information that is essential. So at present, there is not a publicly available human factors integration process specifically for the design of internal aesthetic features. However, from working on a number of uh, major tunnel projects, our team has developed a bit of a framework for integrating human factors, uh, which I'll discuss on the next slide. But in terms of outcomes from the literature review, there were some in interesting findings from a human factors perspective. So from a perceptual perspective, there is a documented phenomenon that Warwick um, alluded to earlier, which is known as the black hole effect. And this occurs when there is not sufficient lighting around the tunnel portal for drivers to visually adapt to the in internal tunnel luminance. So acknowledgement of this effect can lead to important design configurations. Uh, for example, having electronic messages displayed prior to or downstream of the tunnel portal as drivers will have uh, difficulties processing and comprehending information uh, while, their visual, while their visual system is adapting to the internal tunnel luminance. So from a cognitive psychology perspective, the effects of use of colours of sidewall markings and lighting in the context of driving was relatively well documented, and specifically the inclination of humans to associate colour with meaning. So for example, uh, red to mean emergency or stop, orange meaning slow down or be cautious. And the practical implications of this finding is ensuring that colours, whether it be lighting or side wall markings, don't lead to adverse behaviours or reactions from drivers and the use of an appropriate colour um, in an appropriate context. So other research also showed that colour values, so how bright or dark a colour was, um, impacted a driver's physiological responses uh, as measured through an increase in heart rate. Uh, next slide, please, Warwick. So as I mentioned, uh, based on our team's experience, we've developed a framework that lays out a general approach to integrating human factors on major tunnel projects. Uh, just a note that the projects we've worked on have predominantly been in New South Wales and Victoria, and these have included the West Connex 3A, um, 3B, the Roselle Interchange M4, M5 link, the M6 Stage 1 project, uh, Coffs Harbour Bypass and the Burnley Tunnel Enhancement Project. So <clears throat> starting out from the, from, from the top left uh, box, we start out with mobilising the project team and then undertaking a design review and a gap analysis. So this task consist, consists of reviewing project scoping documents, understanding the broader context and system within which the tunnel is proposed to be developed or upgraded, and then using this information, we write a human factors integration plan and establish a human factors issues register for the management and tracking of any issues that may arise. So um, essential to this stage of the project is undertaking a detailed early human factors analysis uh, to get a preliminary understanding of where the human factors efforts should be focused early on. Obviously, this may change throughout the, um, the life cycle of the project, but having a general sense early can help for planning. 
So for example, uh, which safety and design workshops uh, should human factors be present for? In this stage of the project, we also ensure to have clear communications with the safety team and manage any safety related human factors issues um, through the safety and design process. Um, so moving on, we have the human factors specification, which forms the basis for human factors requirements. And this specification is generally based off of relevant industry standards um, and guidelines, requirements from previous similar projects, so past um, road tunnel projects, and human factors best practice. So at this stage of the project, when detailed designs are beginning to be developed, we take opportunities to engage with the designers and undertake more detailed human factors analyses as required. So for example, these, these may be sightline analyses, human error analyses, and we continue to ensure progressive compliance with the human factors specification. Um, and, and this consists of ensuring that the design package leads have overview of the spec um, and the requirements that apply to their package. So finally, all of the work to this point will be captured in the stage design report. Um, and, and that generally looks like a, a standalone human factors assurance report. And from there, we continue to manage um, any human factors issues with the aim to close them out for the final design. And after the, after the submission of the final design report, we'll uh, respond to comments and then demobilize the project team. Uh, Warwick, back over to you. Thank you, John. Uh, this work that we've just discussed has become the but was the basis for developing a methodology, which is to be incorporated into the revisions of the four parts of the Austroads Guide to Road Tunnels, uh, which is to be published on the Austroads website shortly. The team identified actions and considerations for the inclusion of aesthetic features at each stage of the project lifecycle where relevant. As expected, there should be clear reasoning for the inclusion of aesthetic features and determination of the role in which they undertake within a road tunnel. This is important as it will ultimately become the foundation for the measurement of their success moving forward. Identifying the objectives of an aesthetic feature is also critical. Objectives may be associated with increasing traffic throughput or creating a sense of attraction within a tunnel, influencing road safety, maintaining a driver's attention, or even to increase toll revenue. Now, these factors may be linked, uh, linked which is a positive. As tunnels can be stressful for some drivers, it's critical that in-tunnel aesthetic features do not induce in anxieties which impair judgment or influence drivers taking alternative routes uh, outside of a tunnel. Aesthetics should induce a harmonious driving experience uh, where drivers interact with their tunnel surroundings. Ultimately, designers should consider the principles of assessments such as safe systems assessments and road safety audits, coupled with the use of the Austro's Guide to Road Safety. So decision makers do understand the potential risks associated with the inclusion of aesthetic features and how they could be potentially mitigated. Signage and information displays are present to convey messages to tunnel users, uh, typically relating to direction of travel, driving behaviour, speed regulation, route choice, location validation, and emergency egress. Design considerations relating to these attributes are generally focused on illumination, minimising glare, using contrasting colours, simple fonts and symbols, avoiding words and visual clutter around signs. The position of signs, information displays and location validation as aesthetics is critical. Uh, coming back to minimising cognitive load and spreading out tunnel, uh, minimising cognitive load and spreading out tunnel infrastructure, including aesthetic features where possible. Lighting is a powerful tool to influence an aesthetic uh, through the use of colour, levels of luminance and movement of light. This is relevant both inside tunnels and also on the open road network. Lighting design must consider the Australian standard, New Zealand standard 1158, which have design, which outlines design objectives, including maintaining an average luminance and luminance uniformity 
of a carriageway, uh, wall linings and other structures. Uh, mitigating and uh, creating uniformity and glare control. Uh, flicker limitation to be within specific limits and minimising uh, energy usage where possible. Additionally, lifetime reliability and maintainability over the service life of selected hardware components is also an objective, as well as the ability to complement or enhance the visual amenity of the road element by the aesthetic of the lighting scheme and its environment. Now I'll pass back to John, who's going to discuss design considerations relating to human factors and tunnel portals. Thanks, Warwick. So, yeah, really just to summarise uh, the design considerations from a human factors perspective that I've previously discussed. Uh, in the design of internal aesthetic features, the consideration of cognitive load, uh, increasing cognitive load, and the effects on driver attention are really the main focus. Um, when looking at um, adding additional stimuli uh, through internal aesthetic features to the driving environment. So in particular, we, we want any aesthetic features added uh, to tunnel designs um, to facilitate more effective driver behaviours uh, and decision making. As discussed, following general human factors principles, um, you know, like those from the international standards, helpful for informing a human factors integration approach as all tunnels are different and are operated in a different context. However, the same human factors uh, framework um, that I've uh, discussed previously can also be applied. Um, looking at the design of, of portals, so the tunnel portal, um, it's you know generally a very highly visible point of the tunnel. So um, it's where there's a change from an open road environment to an enclosed tunnel environment. Uh, with a sudden change in, in lighting conditions that require humans to make travel adjustments for their environment. And that's why it's important that aesthetic features around tunnel portals consider the physiological and psychological impacts uh, which may be experienced by some drivers. So where possible, large, open and inviting portals with appropriate transition lighting should be provided. Um, it's also important to consider the sources of cognitive stresses that may be impacting drivers, especially close to the tunnel portal. For example, drivers may be required, uh, you know, upon entering tunnels to change lanes, increase or decrease speed to merge, uh, look at and process variable messaging signs um, and other signage, uh, you know, while they're also focusing on, on the primary task of, of driving and not crashing into any other people. So as discussed, if you want drivers to process information to the level of comprehension that uh, facilitates effective decision making, um, uh, these signs need to be positioned upstream or prior to the tunnel portal um, as people's eyes may still be adjusting to the internal uh, low luminance of the tunnel environment. Back to you, Warwick. Thank you, John. Now for procurement, uh... As tunnels are a major infrastructure asset, it's important to, that consultants have experience dealing with the nuances associated with working on such assets. Tunnels are constrained environments, so having people that have a history on working on tunnels or an existing tunnel uh, is advantageous. With aesthetics, uh, there's a lot of integration required between disciplines, therefore a variety of contractors may be required. And this could uh, include the likes of uh, electricians, civil works personnel, painters, traffic controllers and the like. Therefore, collaboration is essential between the parties. From an asset management perspective, whole of life tasks and costs should be considered by asset owners as contractors will inevitably obtain and possess knowledge of an aesthetic feature, their function, role, history and their maintenance requirements. As John touched upon earlier, uh, stakeholder engagement is critical. Uh, so when introducing internal aesthetic features into a new or existing tunnel, engagement with stakeholders is essential to convey their purpose, any disruptions that may occur during the installation and testing, and also how to behave uh, around such features. Stakeholders which should be engaged include users, so the drivers, uh, user groups, jurisdictional road agencies, emergency person, emergency services personnel, and also industry representatives. 
testing can be a valuable exercise to understand the suitability and effectiveness of aesthetic features. Different parties can undertake different testing at different stages of the project. Uh, testing can include different qualitative and quantitative measures relating to safety, driver throughput, behaviour, uh, examining attribute lifespan, uh, physical and psychological uh, responses, as well as improvements to determine the location and maintenance activities off-site prior to installation. During the planning phase of a project, testing should focus on understanding and experiencing aesthetic features prior to starting a design. Feedback and data ascertained uh, can inform decision makers of the potential benefits or suitability during this period. When planning, project owners should consider preparing a testing strategy, outlining the process for testing, the suitability, safety, functionality and maintenance processes. This should be a starting point used by designers and contractors uh, to develop designs further. Testing during the design phase can allow for further refinement of the type, function and location of proposed aesthetic features. And these findings can be measured against objectives and feedback obtained during the planning stage. Testing requirements should really be included in any project scope and technical requirements documentation for consultants or contractors by the asset or the project owner. When it comes to installation, all parties should consider the availability of time and the ability to be on site in an active tunnel, whether that be active road environment or an active construction site. Prototypes and prefabrication can save time and effort inside the tunnel. Furthermore, documenting the installation process is essential to enable asset owners and maintenance teams to use as a reference point when responding to events of failure or undertaking upgrades of the assets, aesthetic features in future. And lastly, following the installation of aesthetic features, testing can be associated with measuring outputs such as light and noise levels, energy efficiency of products, or the interaction with other systems. It's critical that such information is documented by the operator or contractor and retained by the asset owner. Any maintenance and operations activities associated with aesthetic features should be guided by the asset operator in conjunction with product manufacturers who may have uh, specifications or details about their operational requirements. Depending on the type of feature, there is a need to align with existing or proposed systems such as ITS, communications, electrical or fire and life safety to ensure that one doesn't counteract the other and they can work um, in conjunction with each other um, as per their intended purpose. Tunnels get dirty due to vehicle emissions, surface deterioration, lost loads and accidents, which impact their appearance. Therefore, tunnels have specific cleaning apparatus and contractors have specific practices for cleaning. Therefore, the introduction of an aesthetic feature should not result in considerable time or effort to clean or impact the abilities of the cleaning apparatus. Regarding the lifespan of attributes within a tunnel, uh, there is significant guidance already in place within the Illustrates Guide to Road Tunnel relating to attribute lifespan. Practitioners should refer to this and align with the type of aesthetic feature they're considering of designing and introducing uh, to ensure that the variables are considered accordingly. And as previously mentioned, it's critical that knowledge is transitioned between designers, contractors who do the installation of the features and the contractors who undertake the maintenance. Sharing knowledge will make ongoing maintenance easier, particularly if the aesthetics are, are unique. We'll now have a bit of a Q&A. Um, pass over to Laura and Ekaterina. Thank you. Thanks, Warwick. Um, 
And thanks to Warwick and John for that great presentation. Um, I have got some questions to get us started with, and if anybody would like to add any in, you're welcome to use um, the Q&A button to the side of the presentation screen and continue to ask those questions um, while we've got um, this allocated time to do it. The first question comes through from Richard Fanning and his question is, did the project team specifically address interchange, ramp, merge and diverge locations in tunnels, i.e. any specific observations around best practice at these types of locations? Uh, yes, we did. And this comes back to what uh, we mentioned about the placement of the, loca the location um, of aesthetics within a tunnel. So, for example, putting an aesthetic within, say, 30 metres of a tunnel entrance is not ideal as drivers are adjusting to the changing environment from the open road network into the tunnel, as well as considering mergers, speed changes, uh, lighting changes. Um, Therefore, um, the, the placement should really be further downstream if required, uh, but that's going to come back to what the objective um, and the goal of having an aesthetic is, uh, which hopefully influences uh, where they are located. They could also um, help mitigate problems if there is a problem at the merge. Um, aesthetics can be introduced, but it just needs to consider that cognitive load um, about uh, the location. Um, the changing of the, the environment that, uh, that is occurring. John, did you want to add anything in? Uh, no, not, not really. I think, think Warwick covered it, um, yeah, quite well. Uh, I think, yeah, just, just to reiterate, um, it's, it's really around those, the, the tunnel portals um, where, where there's such a, a large impact on um, the visual processing system of drivers, that um, consideration of, of uh, what we're putting there and, and the other driver tasks that need to be carried out, um, like merging, like decreasing speed, increasing speed, um, need to be taken into account. Great, thank you. Um, our next question comes through from Max Healy and he asks, um, uh, the presentation of the three different pacemaker lighting examples were all different, or the presentation showed these three different pacemaker lighting examples. Um, does the guide address how you determine the appropriate type of configuration and determine if it would have the desired effect? Not explicitly. And this is because every tunnel is different, whether that be amount of lanes, speed, um, incline, decline, um, vehicles, location. Um, so having, um, we, we weren't able to put in a one-size-fits-all um, uh, process to, to consider that. Uh, so moving forward, um, it's really uh, advisable to consider those three examples moving forward. Um, and that was particularly an example uh, which was taken on board for the Burnley Tunnel um, as the Eurasia Tunnel in Istanbul and Gaikan Expressway in Tokyo were the two, first two examples, um, and, and there were differences in, in speed and, and purpose for that. And then for Burnley, um, there was uh, three lanes, not two. Um, the type of tunnel construction was different, um, and the, the objective, the, the problem which was trying to be solved through an aesthetic uh, was different again. So unfortunately, not one size fits all. Thanks, Warwick. Um, anything you wanted to add in that one, John? Yeah, I, I just um, add as well that uh, from from the the studies that were published from from those tunnels, so from the the Eurasia Tunnel and and the, the Tokyo uh, Tunnel, those pacemaker lighting um, interventions. It's also just important to consider the the cross cultural context of the tunnel. So uh, you know that the there'd be um, behavioural differences in drivers in different countries, um, perceptions of colour and those kinds of things. So, so like Warwick said, um, I think that that all sort of um, comes out in the testing, in the testing phase. Uh, but it's certainly important not to, not to generalise um, findings across, across cultures. Great, thanks and, and John. Just to, just yep, to build sure. on that, that, that testing is really important. Um, so whether the 
the the the color of lighting um, that can be tested. That's almost infinite based on a color palette. Um, the the size of the illumination, where it is going, how it's interacting with other systems is 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 really a unique process. So having um, testing processes with as many stakeholders as possible is really good um, because it can be quite subjective of how we actually perceive that and how it operates and and how it may impact us as drivers. Great. Kind of building on that, um, another question that we've got posted here is that you know aesthetic features may be seen as superfluous addition to a project and how would you go about persuading a project manager or an asset owner to include aesthetic features into a tunnel? Okay, um, I think we'd start by asking the question back to the asset owner or project owner about why do you want an aesthetic feature? Um, it is okay to have them for the sake of having them if they're willing to pay for it. Um, however, their inclusion should be beneficial and have clear objectives. Uh, the inclusion of an aesthetic feature uh, really can be subjective. However, in time, as more are introduced, more examples are introduced around the world, and hopefully in Australia and New Zealand, um, there will be more data which will become publicly available relating to their benefits uh, or even the disbenefits. Um, so sharing this information to persuade asset or project owners is really going to be beneficial. Thanks, Warwick. Um, just another question that's come through. So um, you guys did mention that there were some gaps in other potential aesthetic features. What other things do you think could be considered as aesthetic features or features um, could be considered and how could they contribute to enhancing safety, customer experience, traffic flow or sustainability? Okay. So using the Eurasia Tunnel uh, in Istanbul um, as an example, it has uh, the speed limits painted onto the roads as per the design of a speed limit sign. So a big circle uh, with red and white and black, um, back, black numbers, which is a different type of uh, visual aesthetic, uh, which provides a, a clear purpose. Uh, there is a tunnel in Norway, the Laerdal, uh, Laerdal Tunnel, um, which is 24 kilometres long and it's the longest tunnel in the world. And as part of this tunnel, uh, it has caverns located every six kilometres, uh, which have stopping areas, which illuminate the tunnel walls uh, and roof, uh, which is exposed rock. So that's really to create variation and mitigate claustrophobia um, and fatigue. Similarly, in China, there is the Zongnanshan Tunnel, uh, which has lighting projections onto the walls and ceiling, coupled with trees and grass on the barriers. Um, these are just examples, and no, these examples just mentioned may not be suitable to an Australian or New Zealand context or reflect our design or safety standards. However, it illustrates different thinking to mitigate the challenges um, that some drivers have when faced when driving in tunnels. I personally like to see some more investigation around vegetation underground um, and what that what that might look like and how, how it can operate um, and, and be maintained. Lighting projections connecting drivers to what is above ground I think would be pretty cool. So for example, if you're in the Sydney Harbour Tunnel and you, you're going underneath the harbour, whether it's the um, the sails of the Opera House projected onto the wall or the, or the ground momentarily, um, or whether it's in Brisbane and you're going underneath the Brisbane River, the Story Bridge is illuminated on the side. No, something to really um, change the environment, but would have to be done within reason and, and within safe parameters. Um, so really crossing, crossing over light location validation and, and road marking. Thanks, Warwick. Um, we do have a few more minutes. If any other questions um, are popping into people's minds, please feel free to send them through. Um, I've got another question here, which um, Warwick's just mentioned some of the different types of aesthetic features which are present in road tunnels internationally. I'm interested to know, we, I mean, we've spoken to it a bit about 
um, considerations around um, portal areas and um, also merge diverge areas. Um, are there other parameters which industry should consider to determine if those aesthetic features should be included, such as tunnel lengths or depths? Are there any details around guidelines for that? Not clearly through our research. Um, I think this comes back to being, a, there's no one size fits all with tunnels. Um, and uh, the, the potential inclusion really comes back to what a project or asset owner really wants out of an aesthetic. Fantastic, thanks Warwick. Um, seems that we've come to the end of the questions um, from the audience today and thank you all for those people who've sent those through. That's been really great to, um, you know, strengthen the understanding in this space. I'll pass over to Ekaterina now to wrap up the end of the presentation. Thanks Ekaterina. Thanks Warwick and John. Thanks so much Warwick and John and Laura. Um, for the great presentation and thanks everybody for being with us today. I have a couple of slides to finish the session. So the first one is our upcoming uh, webinars. As you can see, we have a variety of sessions coming up. Um, we have just published a report um, on the best practice for road tunnel wall panels and finishes. And you might be interested in joining the session about this project, which will run on the 13th of July. So for more information about all of our sessions and to register, please visit our website. Um, as we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Um, take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. Um, it really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what suggestions you have for our future webinars. Once again, today's session has been recorded and we will send you the link to the recording when it's published um, on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day.